Zootopia. As always, I'm your host, Maxwell Cody. And joining me this afternoon, medieval historian, crypto wizard, and uh, pipe connoisseur, I assume, Josh Rosenthal, PhD. Josh, how you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I've never had somebody smoke a pipe on the show before, but this, I was just saying this feels like pipe smoking, um, a, a, a pipe smoking subject that we'll be discussing tonight. So, <laughs> I should have my tweed jacket on, but yeah, a cup of coffee and a pipe, uh, you know what, cognac, brandy, cigar, something like that. It, uh, it is it's, it's a perfect subject no doubt it is a uh and it is a tobacco i mean it looks like a tobacco pipe oh yeah 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 at least all right so the thing i wanted to start with is permissionlessness um permissionlessness for dummies okay so hopefully we can do a little role playing let's just say i'm a medieval peasant um i can't read good or really at all uh the only painting i've ever seen or the only art i've ever seen was at a church um, and now someone is trying to tell me about this newfangled witchcraft called a printing press. What is that? Yeah, they probably, the really interesting part about it is they probably wouldn't be telling you about it. They'd probably, you'd be experiencing it. Um, so it's almost like medium is the message, right? They want to give you a lecture and say, Hey, this is this guy named Gutenberg and he created this stuff and he can do all this stuff with it. They'd put this big broadsheet, this fluke shrift in this like giant image with a snappy little tagline in your hand. And if you couldn't read, reading we kind of get things backwards a lot of the time, um, reading history with our own perspective. For them, pre-printing press and early into printing days, the oral tradition was the publication. So you'd you'd print something and then you'd publish it to your community when you read it aloud, the act of reading it. So you might not read it. You might hear somebody else reading it and hear these ideas and then see this image and it would have been just groundbreaking for you. You wouldn't have had to know how it was created, where it came from. All you know is that you're now seeing things that you've never seen before, where previously new ideas were were controlled under somebody's permission, either permission in terms of what was right and what was wrong to think, or in terms of someone's permission, who had the ability to disseminate it, to share it, or, or consequences for that, because you belong to a community you were born into and you had no choice. And now all of a sudden, as a result, you wouldn't have understood the concept, you would have seen the fruits of it. You would have seen the fruits of permissionlessness. You would have been exposed to a new idea with a new artifact in your hand, which, which very likely said, the thing that you took for granted isn't the only approach to the world. And in fact, it may be wrong and, uh, and uh, very much so. So it would have it would have shocked you. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but it, it's would have you would have uh, the answer is baked into the media basically, and the media itself is decentralized. So so 
so no one can really stop it. Um, and it has this generative or creative power, you know, the, the technology, the message is endemic to the tech. And so it's very difficult to tamp it down. It tends to create more than uh, be controlled. There's something in the nature of the tech itself that's, that's creative and generative and anti-fragile or anti-resistant you know, to top-down control, um, partially because anyone can do it. Because you don't need someone's permission to create it, um, it opens it up to like a wide range of people who can who can create, and then the authority figures whose hands are at the switches in terms of control, um, you know, previously needing to give permission to someone to create or to share an idea or to disseminate it, they're no longer able to control it. The ideas have a life of their own, and what happens as a result is there's a a series of divergent or even pluralistic worldviews that uh, that are able to be in they're able to be expressed and shared at scale which no one can really crunch down. And authority figures tried to do it, but because the tech itself is permissionless, it places them in a bit of a, a checkmate, right? They can ignore it and let the ideas catch fire. You know, you as a peasant are seeing it and your friends, et cetera, et cetera. Or they can participate in it and use the new technology to, to, uh, to kind of engage in this polemical or this war of ideas or war of worlds. But if they do that, they're using the tech, they're using the medium that they want to forbid. So it, it's, it's, it puts them in a, a bit of a, a odd situation. Okay, but when the printing press comes online, so to speak, um, it's still really only literate people who can use it. I mean, it, it is still limited to a certain social class to a certain extent, at least at first, right? Uh, not nearly as much as you think. That's kind okay. of the common assumption. And that's how you teach it to the undergrads, just so they can kind of keep it in their heads. <laughs> okay. So 5% of the, it's almost like the switch between hieroglyphics to kind of phonetic alphabets. Instead of having to have a priestly class where you have to memorize tens of thousands of symbols, you can do 26 characters. It's much more democratizing. And so the way to think about literacy is as a spectrum, right? It's not, are you literate? Are you not literate? It's kind of how literate are you from completely nothing to to uh to being able to read and write and create um in different languages and so you know five percent of the population are reading it definitely tends to be social class but there's 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 uh for those folks who can there's always outliers and they tend you know a minority percentage and they tend to read it as community they tend to read it there's somebody somewhere that can kind of read something it might not be a formal academic treatise but it can be a few words especially if it's big print and simple words and if there's a picture book you know a dr seuss book to go along with it right there's somebody in that pub who can kind of read it and make it out and when he or she when he or she does it they're speaking it out loud and they're performing it everyone out there is hearing it and honestly most of the ideas were written to be were printed in such a way that you didn't even have to read when we think of printing press we think of you know gutenberg bible or luther's disputations um but the vast majority of the material was image and the image was like semiotic it was symbolic right and so you could kind of say oh wait this guy's bad and he's doing this to us and so you could kind of figure it out even if you couldn't read anything and usually there's someone in there who can read a word or two and you do have these outliers who are able to read a little bit and so the way to think about literacy is like as a spectrum and the printing press caught fire like we teach it the wrong way we think it's actually about literacy it's like that's what I mean when I say it was generative it created literacy literacy wasn't the prerequisite for it and so it started out with images and then these taglines and then more and more and more so became you know required greater degrees of literacy and and people became you know literate as a as a result and able to in order to participate in the technology which is like a really odd way of 
of thinking about it. Um, that's kind of what I mean when I say it's it's generative. So no, you didn't have to be literate to to enjoy the fruits of the, the benefits of the printing press. In fact, you weren't. And if you were, you got more out of it. And you know, kind of not unlike it is today, the deeper down the rabbit hole you go, the, the more you get out of it. So most of the printing press was art. You know, and, uh, and then there are layers of, they might not even be things to read. They might be like little jingles. I call You can call them taglines, but they're almost like little songs, basically. So there's this very rich popular culture going on. And most of that popular culture was all oral tradition, right? You know, they weren't necessarily able to create, you know, fine art or any art. They definitely weren't community. Maybe they're morality plays, maybe they're something else, but they're, they're popular songs and taverns, right? And so the printing press was basically uh, an image to put in your head, at least in early days, and then a song that you could sing with your buddies that corresponded to the image. And there, there obviously was like high end kind of high polluting you know, literacy going on at the same time too. Um, the way to think about it is there's, there's not only a spectrum, but there's levels that it's operating at at the same time. If it were just re confined to, to, you know, Luther's 95 theses or an academic disputation, it probably wouldn't have succeeded. The reason why it succeeded was it was able to garner enough support outside the prerequisite of, you know, having the ability to access the tech. The tech actually created the market, which is like, and the community, which is like a, a very, it's, it's not how they usually teach it. Um, that's kind of why it's almost like the question behind your question is a lot of a lot of social scientists will basically look at these deep drivers, right, like economics or sociodemographics, and they'll say, hey, I can almost kind of predetermine by stasis or construct or structure what's likely to happen. And for most of the time, that's true. For 90, 99% of the time, that's true. But every now and then you have these great breaks where the unexpected breaks in and kind of reorganizes the socioeconomic structures. And that's what happened with the printing press. It, it doesn't make any sense. Um, if, if it were only the literate people who had access to it or enjoyed the fruits of it, it wouldn't have worked, which is, uh, which is one of those things we tend to overlook. Okay, fast forward to the early 1990s. I'm some aging working man and my smart aleck pot smoking son is trying to tell me about this new type of TV called the internet. What's that? What was that supposed to be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, like, to think about in terms of what it was supposed to be versus what we have, right? There's in some ways where I personally think, you know, crypto, whatever, pick your flavor of it. If you want to say it's, you know, Urbit with distributed hardware, if you want to say it's, it's just strong cryptography, the, the basic idea is to be able to share information and payment, you know, through, through a, a distributed protocol, um, a, a way, a, a radio signal, right, or a TV signal. Um, the thing that happened was when we first did it, it you couldn't persist state. It, uh, the the hardware and the programming didn't allow you to do some of these 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 details that allowed you to keep your identity, who you are, on your side. You had to essentially hand that off. The the only open protocols we had were email and some linkage, but we couldn't do that. So essentially, what happened was we had the ability to share information and the ability to read information, but you couldn't assign you being you. And so we handed that off to a series of companies that were happy to do that you know, on their own terms uh, privately. Um, and this was the rise of FANG, Facebook and Amazon and Google and, and Microsoft and all that sort of good stuff. That's why in most places you log in today using you know, an Apple ID or a Google ID. And so some ways the internet was an opportunity to be able to share information, to read information, to write information, to create things in a digital domain and unlocking of a new media, not unlike the printing press. 
the thing that happened was it was just so early. There was this, this technical detail that didn't allow us to own things, uh, nor did it allow us to really distribute things like all the way up and down the stack from the database level to the broadcast level. Um, and so we had the rise of, you know, digitalization, call it digital serfdom, whatever, however you want to describe it. Um, but it, it's almost this false fork. It's almost this Betamax. It's almost this like maser instead of laser. Um, and so I think what we're seeing right now is a walking back of that false fork, hopefully at least, and a recreation of it with, uh, with the ability to own and a permissionlessness at the database layer, as well as at the broadcast layer, which are like the unglamorous, unsexy applications that people don't talk about. But if you want to be able to control your digital identity and your information, much less your payment, you need to be able to run that from hardware all the way across like broadcast, wireless or what have you. And so, so that's the, the, the great challenge that I think we're unwinding that kind of that hierarchical control of, you know, permissioned, you know, medieval, not only what you can say in terms of kind of thought hierarchy and structure, but also the ability to share it and disseminate it. So that's at least the, the hope of a, uh, the hope of what crypto can do. And one of the reasons why I'm particularly interested in Urbit for some of that as well. Let oh, me know right. if I'm missing your question too. No, no, like, no. This is every, everything <laughs> is unfolding as I have foreseen it. Um, so I was, <laughs> everything's going fine. Um, I, so we we're, were right to where I've been trying to ramp us up to, which is that, you know, I, we were both at Urbit assembly last year. Hmm. Um, I, I, I saw you speak on a panel um, I had a panel uh, called God Posting. Um, you know, I only, uh, I wasn't there as a computer guy. I was there as an infotainment guy. And kind of like you were saying before with, you know, how the printing press spread literacy, you know, I have only learned how to do computer stuff in as much as it allows me to do the fun stuff that I like, right? And so at Urban Assembly, you know, I'm going in there. I don't know a whole lot about it. They gave me a planet and I was messing with it. Um, some of the things I heard, I mean, all the things I heard at Urban Assembly fell into one of three categories, I would say. The compelling, uh, the delusional, and the sinister, right? There were, so there was three layers going on, and there was a lot of things that I heard that I liked, and a lot of things that I thought were far-fetched to say the least, and some things that I was like a little like, mm, that's, that's actually sus where I think this person is going with that. Um, I found you to be one of the most compelling people because... This idea that the internet was sort of a failed printing press or the internet was meant to be the new printing press and it, it hasn't lived up to its promise because of corporate greed or because of historical um, a historical accident or something like that. I found that idea to be really compelling and I want to believe like the like the X-File poster, but instead of the UFO with a little Urbit logo, I do. I want to believe I want to believe that we can quite literally reinvent the printing press uh, with permissionless blockchain or something like that. But where we're at in history now, what I've been struggling with is this. I'm talking about art and reality. For the person, for somebody coming out of the Middle Ages and going into the Reformation and having access to the printing press and this sort of thing, um, you know, being exposed to art and being exposed to uh, language in a new way that they hadn't been before, this was like helping them step into a new world, right? And I almost feel like for us, where we're at now, it's almost like an inversion of that. We have too much information. Uh, we have so much information, we don't know what to do with it. Uh, a lot of the art that we make now is very dark and very cynical, or it's simulacra. And it's simulacra that kind of makes us feel unreal. Um, I had this experience recently uh, that I've talked about on this podcast before. 
this really happened. I, I was at Sam's Club with my mom. I was buying my mom a Sam's Club membership. And the two people, the two ladies at the counter who I was talking to about getting the membership, their faces just turned into AI composites of people I'd known before. And I was like, that's it, dude. I've <laughs> I've done skits on myself. I consumed way too much of, of this media. And now something's actually coming loose in my head. But I know I can't be the only one. I know I can't be the only one who's starting to genuinely feel like he lives in an artificial reality. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch in there. Um, so let me, let, me, let me pull on a couple different threads. Um, I know it's funny. It's such a good... All right, so let me pull on a couple different threads. Like, in one sense, I don't necessarily know if we're going to redo the internet. I know it's a chance to, um, which rarely do you get those those chances. Um, and history is just full of these false forks. We just ignore them because they fall by the wayside, so we don't think about them. Like, we always kind of look after the fact and say, "Oh, we would have bravely adopt. We would have made the right choice, adopted the right thing, you know, done the right thing." Um, but we, we forget what it was like to live in these in-between times where you're in a false fork and what it means to walk back to that, right? Um, but most of it, you, you kind of have little glimpses, like most people remember VHS and Betamax or something like that, that or pick, pick whatever analogy you want to. <clears throat> but we don't, we don't know what would have happened, you know, um, had we made these different, had we made these different choices and walked that back. We only, we view history as this chronology of one right choice. It's one victor after another victor, after another winner, after another winner. And that's not the way it worked. It worked in these ebbs and flows and these cycles of doing and undoing. And those cycles of doing and undoing, you can, you can frame it in a variety of different ways. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis, pick whatever model you want to use. But the, the point of the story is there's a lot of undoing going on. And when, when you're in the middle of that undoing, it's very much inverted. It's, uh, it's chaos. It's it feels very much inverted, right? Um, so that's <clears throat> that's absolutely true. We may end up making the the exact same mistake again um, for different reasons, but there's definitely this this undoing going on in terms of this this false fork piece, um, and that's why it's really helpful to kind of read the primary sources. So I'm really interested in these breaks in a in structural kind of systems where the unexpected happens that you never would have been able to predict, right? Um, and when I when you look through history, like where are these breaks? where's this kind of slippage, it, it tends to be, at least my, my, my take on it, is that it tends to be around communities using this technology and not just any technology, it's the, this generative technology that, that has power tied into the message. Um, the printing press is really interesting mass media before that. And so not just social media, mass media. So if you're into the philosophical side, this is, there's a reason why, you know, McLuhan's, you know, the web 2.0 darling, but there's a reason why he starts with Gutenberg galaxy. That's, that's not an accident. That's the birth of mass media um, as communication, but also as a market, which is, which is worth spending a moment on. <clears throat> and so as a market, the ability to create something that's not just with your hands, not the 0.001% of, you know, people working in a scriptorium doing illuminated manuscripts, the ability to, to create ideas, to share media, to sell ideas behind media, to use media as a way to, to interact. That was, that was revolutionary in terms of just kind of setting the stage between medieval and, and Renaissance Reformation, where you're not locked into one hierarchy or hegemony. You now have choice. They can't take that with you because you have the ability to exchange value kind of peer to peer without going through a centralized mediator, as well as the ability to share these ideas. And the ideas are, you know, symbolically loaded. You can talk about memetics or semiotics, but the, the idea is that your reality isn't the own reality. That by its nature is almost a synthetic, call it an artificial construct, right? To say there's a plausible world you aren't participating and there's a there's a fault this 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 instance of reality you know might not be the only one and so from that perspective the printing press you can trace that all the way down you know history of mass media McLuhan and what have you um 
there's a lot of negative things that come out of that, obviously, but it's a technology, a tool you can use for, for good or for evil. The idea of having it tied to a market kind of gets you into like what you think the function of a market is. Obviously, that can be super not good, but it can also be incredibly good. The way they framed it up, Lutheran Company with vocation, is you now have the ability to, to follow your vocation, to do what you like and what you're good at, right? And there isn't this artificial distinction between the outside the world under the control of the church locked away to monastery somewhere but you can you can be working in the world for the good of your family and your neighbor and and your your friends and people you don't know like in the world in the mud and the blood and the beer and that was that was a revolutionary you know idea that the, the meaningful stuff was here in the world and that's where you know, historians will talk about the rise of proto-mercantilism that the idea that everybody all of a sudden is an entrepreneur at least has the ability to be and so when you look at the rise part of that is because the information shared knowledge of how to do that and then part of it was because that the ability to create and interact with the information and media allowed people to do things you know outside of having material resources for craftsmanship anyone could create and follow you know content if you want to use that kind of framing of it but it was so it was entrepreneurial it was an unlock but it's worth noting it was by its very nature synthetic um, and so like one way to think about it is this false fork of the current internet we don't have ownership we couldn't persist state you know so andreessen says hey the original sin of the internet was we couldn't we couldn't save who you were in a, in a database layer we had to like farm that out basically right so there's no ownership and so i think a lot of the the, the details around that being a false fork the criticisms of it the spectacle the simulacra of it um kayfabe of it it's part of that is when you have the ability to express and to consume without the ability to own that basically puts you into like a deleterious or perverse business model, right? It means you're only gonna get paid by by clicks and interaction. There's no other way to, to make a living except for, you know, feeding this beast. And that, that I think is, um, that's not good for the creator, that's not good for the audience, and that's almost a necessary consequence of not having ownership. And so I think a good deal of the criticism that you have, that's why I responded to your thing, you talking about, you know, <laughs> Baudrillard and even, uh, Chardin with a bit of the new sphere. I think that's some of the most interesting stuff that's going on in line with this conversation. I'll, I'll get back to the synthetic in a second that no one's really talking about. Um, but at the, so you could say a lot of the postmodern criticism of you know the media um, and social media in particular is it could be because it's creation and consumption without ownership, which divorces creating value and following your vocation. It forces you into this artificial like epicycle of you know trying to raise to to maybe do something valuable. But it, it's 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 abstracted at best and and perversely aligned you know at, at worst so that's part of it but it is worth and opening up mentally just to the idea of that there are multiple possible paths to take in a sense like means that you're looking at multiplicity in, in a way that you haven't looked at before which is like inherently like not only metaphysical but like very different um i'd argue like pluralistic and so that that kind of like does things to the way you think about reality that there's in some ways the epistemology and ontology is like fused together right like like what is and how you know about it all of a sudden is like coming through like the means of this tech and by this tech it doesn't just have to be printing press you can think of it as like verb day you can think of it as like uh words spoken communication image whatever metaphor you want to use but now at the printing press everybody has more and more people have access to it at scale with the ability to like execute their vocation on a, on a layer of that when we go back through the cycle with the internet now we don't have ownership which means you can't like make a living or execute vocation around that it's only tangential so you're you're set up for all sorts of crazy perverseness so there's one line of the criticism that may just be a function of original sin that you don't have ownership tied to it there's another line that's probably more interesting you know we're thinking about which is which is 
it's by its nature synthetic, not only ontology, but like what could have been and where you are. I, I, I grew up in this world where in this situation, it never occurs to me to really question my assumptions or to think there's another way of being like, how do I know? Well, I can go back and read history. Maybe I can do some philosophical exercise for sure. But the idea of having that brought home to me in a, in a real and substantial way, you know, analog to where I'm a medieval peasant and somebody's like singing the song in my face or showing me this image where it hits me viscerally with a gut check. I don't, I don't, that, that, that hasn't really been done before until now, but by its nature, it is synthetic. It's like the criticism of the printing press, the criticism of reading. I just can't emphasize enough in the ancient world before Renaissance and Reformation, everything was public, everything was out loud. There was no silent reading, right? There was no quiet time. That's just like modern invention. It was the, the words were read publicly basically. And so all of a sudden when you're reading yourself quietly, your, your, your reality is split. Your psychosomatic union is like ripped apart, right? Your body is there sitting under a tree reading or in a tavern, and now your mind has gone somewhere else. You have disillusionment and disembodiment. You're, you're, you're <laughs> you lose track of time. You go to a synthetic artificial place and you have an experience there. And it may be more real than the experience in your physical world. And then you come back and they're not, it's not a bifurcation, right? They, it's a two-way portal, basically, where you're going into the synthetic world, you're learning something or you're experiencing something, maybe you figure out like what a new vocation is or how to do that double entry bookkeeping thing. And you come back in the real world and then you execute on that in the real world. So there's like a, there's like a very tight linkage between these two places. But that's the first time where you go somewhere mystical and you're gone and your body's there and you're interacting with some body of knowledge in some which way and you're not thinking about or keeping track of time and you come back into the real world and it's uh and you're bringing the fruits of that interaction back with you um so that was i mean that they were accused of witchcraft for that right if i if i describe that that's all that's to say a lot of the the stuff you hear about the criticisms of you know uh you know the modern internet and the digital world that's not new that's been going on for hundreds of years to say oh if i'm other place like that's blah 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 it's like that's been going on for a long long time um this is a little bit different i'd say there's definitely like a dark side to it um in the sense not just being synthetic but in a sense it being opaque and losing control when you go into black box with some of the algorithms and if you want to get batshit crazy like I'm medieval to Renaissance by nature, but a lot of my <clears throat> my various master's degrees work was in ancient Near East, like, uh, you know, Suzerite, Hittite treaty, like the, the ancient Near Eastern world, like Hebrew, Semitic, Akkadian, and those folks like have a very interesting tradition of uh, the old gods or like divine entities actually being, you know, not just culture heroes, but being uh, bringing technology um, to certain civilizations. And those civilizations said, hey, these gods brought us technology and therefore that's why we're the biggest and best civilization. You know, hmm. it's Babylonian going back to Gilgamesh and the kingdoms. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely like the Nephilim, the, the Babylonians, they would they all had these traditions, right? And they were like yeah. usually Apkalu or these watchers and the ideas that that you can think of it, the Greek, the Eastern face of the helicon is like the, the you know, Prometheus, you know, uh, this lower God wants to bring technology and the big bad God gets mad. The point of the story is the Babylonians said, we're like in charge of everything because our gods came through and you can read it, not just the Nephilim, but like the Apkalo. So pharmacology, writing, agriculture, metallurgy, like every one of these things, that's why we're in charge. The Hebrews and Yahweh, on the other hand, like viewed that very differently. They said those things, they didn't deny it. They said those things are real. And you did have interaction with these divine beings bringing you technology, including literacy. Um, but uh, they weren't the good guys. They were the bad guys. Yeah. And so all that's to say, like, 
it's a very interesting thing. And what happened was a lot of, if you really dig into it, a lot of the interaction around how that worked when it goes opaque and black box, that might be like a human divine interface, whether it's Oracle at Delphi or whether it's reading goat entrails, like it's, it's not unlike algorithms in which you lose control over those. And if you, if you believe that worldview, which is batshit crazy, but like one would argue like having a reasonable ancient Near Eastern like read on, you know, Judeo-Christian setup <laughs> would say they took that very seriously all the way through tempo, the second temple literature period. And if you believe that were true, that would mean that, you know, the algorithms popping up, um, it, it might not, it might not be neutral. It might be like very specific, intelligent evil um, operating, like and maybe even those old gods are real. And you're starting to see some of this bubble up into the popular discourse. Even Naomi Wolf was writing something like post past two years, like are the old gods back? And the ancient, uh, the ancient, like Hebrews through early Christianity was said, yeah, absolutely. Like the Prince of Persia is like sitting at Meta and he's writing you know, tweets and on Twitter. Um, admittedly, all that sounds batshit crazy, but just to frame up the tech discussion, you have this idea of word and logos and interaction around this and dissemination and like availment against hegemony. But you also have this other worldview that says, no, no, no. When you lose track of the ability to write those, and just for full disclosure, like I did a couple of startups, which were like reasonably successful. You sold one to an MIT been out and so i wrote those ai algorithms like reasonably and you lose track of it and when you lose track of it it's not just chat gp like a very interesting interaction between uh between the metaphysical if you believe it actually has like personal intelligence you open that doorway for that so <laughs> ideally for good or for ill but like it might be much more interesting and also much darker than we typically paint it like in just a purely materialistic worldview well, sorry it's a super long answer but it's no, like the most by, interesting by all means. question like, but yeah. this is schizotopia trust me enoch and the watches <laughs> Enoch and the watches pop up a lot on here. And uh, with all due respect, it's going to be hard for you to say something uh, batshit okay. crazy enough that it's actually going to break the um, break what my audience is used to, I guess. Okay. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I literally think that's the answer. I mean, I, I really think that's like entirely plausible. Like if you believe that, you know, it's not just angels and demons, but if you literally believe, and this was Luther's view, this is like the view up until like, you know, enlightenment that, you know, it, most people today are like selectively supernatural, right? You may happen mm -hmm. to be Christian or what have you. And I believe in these, this limited amount of like certain supernatural things, fine, or whatever. But like from a supernatural worldview, like their tradition, like was that these bringers of technology, of knowledge um, were, uh, were, it wasn't just that knowledge was bad. It was that how it was brought and there, that was their claim, like their power. There's a union between the sacred and the profane and like, everybody had like lower Elohim or, you know, divine beings, you know, angels and demons were just like, were like job descriptions essentially. Right. right. Like versus like knowledge and like military. And so those things that was culture versus culture, which God was the biggest and best. And so if you're running the show at the time, basically you were saying, Hey, the, the Babylonian idea was a very specific, and you see different, you know, folks like, so phenomenologists like Mircea Eliade, and these guys can like trace this into, you can trace it into the East, you can trace it across all, any pantheon you want to, but the idea is that there's, daimonies are supernatural beings, and like, it's not just, oh, Twitter and the web, it's like non-metaphysical, and I have an out-of-body experience where I'm doing this, and bad, 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 versus whatever I want to say. It's actually much more personal and pointed than, than that, that these interactions were aligning with like, not just political organizations, but these power hierarchies. That's why Luther went batshit when he's like, the Antichrist captured the throne, right? You guys keep waiting for him to come back. He's already here. He's on the throne of Christendom. Holy shit, that's, everybody goes nuts, right? I can't, it would have been like a visceral, you guys are in the Pope matrix, a visceral yeah. like impact. The analog of today for your modern, yeah, yeah, the analog today for your modern surface that 
these these things might actually be real and the bringer of technology the bad guys and the good guys are like confused and especially when it gets back black box and you lose control you lose the thread you lose the ability to know what's what and if you're interacting in that way like opening this this interaction whether it's you know rolling of a dice or you know goat entrails or like an intelligible speech that is decoded with you know oracles that that uh if you believe in that that's not just like neil gaiman's like ideas of gods like as technology that was that's not his idea that's the ancient world's idea that's been the default for thousands of years across like different literary bodies like we're the only ones who don't believe that and like mm -hmm. if you look at if you look at <laughs> it's not just a false fork of the internet if you actually look at this perverse that's kind of what it's hinting around about, about the, the perversely aligned incentive models like not just rage but losing your overton window and losing control of like you know the algorithm choosing what you can see and who you can interact with and sure you can fight against it but that 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 digital or synthetic interface with like what's real versus what you know is like a very interesting spot to be at. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna execute like all sorts of things you can go into for your audience, I'm sure you probably already have. Like I might really like I if I were intelligent, evil, and supernatural world, I might if you believe in like those powers and principality, and it's not just like Zeus handed over all the gods and every nation got a god. And then that's also like on the, the New Testament tradition. That's why Paul goes nuts and says, hey, I know you guys were under this arrangement. It's no longer necessary. There you go um, because of this. And so the point is if you're operating in that construct, like, yeah, sitting through like the new type of technology, um, it, it, if you believe in these entities and powers and principalities, like they're gonna operate like in like, technological dissemination where you become dehumanized it's not just a philosophical thing they actually like might be real that would have been the view and like yeah no no joke like prince of persia like working at meta like or posting memes on facebook like that's a, that's that's as an ancient near eastern through medieval historian like this long durée is how we kind of frame it that's exactly what i'd expect so when you talk about like printing press it's it's great that it allows you to speak and it allows you to read and it gives you the ability to interact with new ideas that can potentially break you out of a hegemonic construct. But the criticism usually is, oh, digital, you lose yourself and you lose your person. It's like, oh, that's true. That's, that's, that's true. But it might be like much more pointed than that. And honestly, there's like supernatural, like positivity on the idea of like, on the idea of like communication and image and word and all that stuff too. I think it's much more supernaturally charged there rather than just synthetic or not synthetic. And by the way, like the folks, you know, Baudrillard like gets into this and like he's there, I mean, uh, McLuhan's drawn from Chardin. It's all over his like letters basically if you go in and read that. And this idea of this new sphere, this interconnected like consciousness through like, you know, digital like connectivity. Um, the, the long answer is short that we draw this divide between supernatural and material, right? That's mm -hmm. like just such a weird thing. That's not only like post enlightenment, that's post this generation up until the fifties, like ghosts left wet footprints, right? The idea was that matter was united with like non-material, call mm -hmm. it a sacramental worldview or something. There's a thing you can touch. God actually isn't like spirit in the sense. He made matter. He likes matter. He like, it's, it's connected through this tissue basically where the material affects the supernatural. Like you can parse the, how, what the nature that connection is but so if that's the critical there might be like supernatural interactivity like more than just from a philosophical nature that's that's kind of how it's always been people at the time they never they never view it that way it just would have been the ancient era they breathed like all the way from ancient near east through medieval through the renaissance not only through the enlightenment up until like basically you know the last generation honestly so it might be a much a much a much more interesting like bigger problem like are we at the end of history and like in a diner well, there is there or well, this is this is, just a cycle of like what tends to happen this is this is exactly the 
this is the arc that I keep seeing that I don't want to see. But I've always thought of the Reformation, <laughs> and this is my this is my um, this is my hot take on the Reformation. I've always seen that Reformation as they tried to democratize the Bible. As a result, they badly misunderstood the Bible, but inadvertently, because they misunderstood the Bible so badly, they created a much better world. And uh, what I see today, if we think of like the internet as the new printing press, is that it gives us too much knowledge and it kind of creates this culture of solipsism. And I even think the kind of like the, the, what do they call it? The otaku, the hikiomori, the, the, the sort of Japanese dropout who just plays um, video games all day. And now that's kind of spread to the West. You have all of these men who they spend most of their life in simulation. They spend most of their life playing video games, watching porn, this sort of thing. And it, there's something kind of medieval about it because it's almost a form of self-mortification. It's like monks of desire is the term that I use. They, they actually, there, there is something, there is something, um, there is something monkish or sort of, uh, how to put it, there is something sort of, uh, it, there's there's kind of a parody of Christianity in there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, so for full disclosure, like, so I'm Lutheran, I think they actually, like, got it, like, phenomenologically, you can go back and say, hey, they opened up this source code, which is crazy, they removed a mediator, it wasn't just a language, you didn't have the right to interpret it. This idea of, like, priesthood of all believers is interesting, that you don't have a cosmic hierarchy of chain with you at the bottom. All of a sudden, like, you're in direct connection. Their core thing wasn't a social movement. It was very much a philosophical, theological movement. And, like, the medievals always, not to go too much down the theological, but just to, like, set the framework so you get it. Like, the, the medievals had this, like, faciantibus quad in seas, deus non denegat gratian. To those who do the best what's within them, God doesn't deny grace. So it was very much this do something and then God takes care of the rest and this is cooperatism. That something was always outside the world. It was monastic. The real stuff, grace was a substance. You earned like justification was like a process. It went up and down. The images like your soul's a beaker and grace is a syringe and it flows out from the reservoir. Like it's a very a fluid hydraulic mechanics, you know, from Mary through the saints, the people in the monasteries were outside the world. They're doing works of super irrigation and it drops down to you. And you shouldn't know your state knowing that is bad. Cause then you'd stop trying basically. And trying means participating outside the world or submitting to authority when you're in the world. Like Luther's craziness was that he was an Augustinian monk. And so that's like Augustine part of the new school, the, the grand debate nobody talks about was there is old school versus new school, like we Antiqua, we Moderna, which was like Aquinas versus crazy guys like Occam and Beale, basically. And they said that God was wild and capricious. It's almost like Kant's cosmic madman, that God, you, you know, nothing, basically, right? The only place you know anything about God is where he's bound himself to that. And so he had this like imputed or accredited righteousness, which was that Fakientibus, like you take a little step, God credits you with the rest. Like Luther said, no, 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 you don't do jack shit. It, basically you contribute nothing your justification is like a twofold process or a, a double-sided decree forensic saying not guilty and perfectly worthy but it was all the critique was that it was a legal fiction so but if you believe that and like he's quoting paul in ways and like deconstructing not just donation of constantine and claims to power but really saying hey all of this stuff and it wasn't just luther even the roman cat like erasmus was doing this too right oh it says hey do works of penance agite penitatium like do you penance oh shit when we look at the greek it's metanoiate that means like repent like it's like a very different picture and like all of a sudden you don't have to work in something it's imputed accredited to you and that means like you're free and not just free you're actually commanded to work in the world to like benefit your neighbor which was like crazy like not to be in the monastery as a higher state but to be out in the world and like be your milkmaid or work in a business or do your own thing like that was like madness basically and complete disillusionment of like hierarchy there's all sorts of stuff that 
that comes out of that. But that that idea of uh, that idea of the idea was that you're more human when you're in community instead of away from it and in like a monastic setup. And a lot of that was the undoing of like this flesh versus spirit stuff that it, even when you read that today, you hear that with like Paul, oh, flesh versus spirit. And we're all like, you know, neo-gnostics and the, the yeah, synthetic yeah. is the good stuff and the matter is like this place is shithole. What are we going to do? Like that actually, when they, even the Roman Catholics went back, they're like, oh shit, that's not what Paul was talking about. Right. He was talking about like this age versus the age to come. It, it isn't like, flesh versus spirit idea that like all of a sudden the matter was the important stuff like god was this cosmic madman but he chose to like bind himself in like this theology of cross instead of glory so it was like very much like this shit this johnny cash mud and blood and beer right and like he he chose this thing and so like that's crazy like here in this material stuff is like super important so nowadays it's trendy to go back and like say oh the greek orthodox are doing this their own and it's like all oh, that's fine but it's just to say that that wasn't the <laughs> that wasn't the only tradition like what luther was unlocking was a lot of this like ancient real world where where by going back to these like constructs that the the material and the supernatural are like joined and so like your critique of like uh you know the the guys sitting in a synthetic world they would have said yeah that's this is the idea of being like sequestered out of the world instead of being in it and in that sense the synthetic makes you less human it makes you like more animal like right that was always mm -hmm. the ancient near eastern picture it's always this deconstruction de-evolution decreation is how they pictured it where you go back to like being animal like and so in that sense as you read like a lot of the even having written you know a decent you know some of the algorithms on the ai side or if you look at chat gpt and you deal with other academics and from time to time i'll i'll guest lectured at swanky universities and it'll be you know the professor will be here and some of it bleeds into pop culture where they'll be like hey ai it's really bad you can't program it to be human it always goes out for your destruction like there's something super there's something qualitatively different that you can't put into code about being a human and it's very easy you can think about it as like evil or derivativeness or however you want to frame that up it makes it very difficult to to do that through the technology you can use this tool obviously for like human interaction to follow your vocation but if you don't do that you're going to be sequestered you know in a, yeah, in a in a tiny little room like spending time and that's like literally what you see if you're looking at like tinder algorithms or what have you it's like it's very much like a, a rebasement of animal -less. like we're here in kentucky we farm it's like you have one male you kill the others and they breed with everybody and like oh, you're reading like you know catherine deezer saying oh hey look at what's going on in tinder it's like this is like a very much a, a return to this animalness using using this uh technology and like that's kind of what you would expect the fork in the road is is a uh, is it a dehumanization or is it a rehumanization? I guess a gloss I'd put on all of that is it's not just like metaphysical or philosophical or like it's not it's not metaphor. Often when we read the not just scriptures, we have the translation around it, we think it's all like metaphor. It's like it wasn't literal to them, but like natural that those things are actually like the that word is a person, that devolvement is a person, that that animalism is like absolutely true. And when you interact with like the gods, like waging war on this, and this is like. In the Judeo-Christian thing, this is all out of the table of nations, like post-flood, God says, I had enough with you guys, I assign you over to these lesser gods, and then they rebel, basically, and so, like, those types, and that's where you get, like, any of the Babylonian, like, the Apkalu, or these watchers, they're literally cutting and pasting, like, Enuma Leash, and, like, Gilgamesh, and, like, mm -hmm. Babylonian, like, Baal cycle epics into it, it's just the 
the the, the Geo-Christians aren't aware of it enough. And so the question is like, who's the hero and who's the victim? Is Prometheus the hero or is he, or is he the bad guy basically? And so to, to tie that to your point, it's uh, the Lutheran piece, I think that the Reformation, there's like a qualitatively different theological approach. The, quant, the, the social impact of that was not just like a, a breaking out of hegemony, but the idea of like, where's the locus of meaningful activity? Is it in the world or outside of it basically? And obviously like Luther is like super happy with like dialectical tension, like, in the world, not of it, two kingdom, blah, 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 blah. And like technology for that sense, like is like an amazing tool, but by its nature, it's it's generative in terms of the message you can bring out of it. But like, if you believe in that ancient Near Eastern worldview, which is like the majority of global worldview for all time and space, except for rather recently, that those would be like specific interactions where like intelligent evil can like put a fingerprint in it. And what would that look like? The facts just purely phenomenologically. Well, that'd look like, you know, kids hang, all the things you describe. So I'd say, yes, yes and yes what you're describing is like maybe even more real than you think it is i, I don't know if that's what you want to hear or not, but <laughs> no it's absolutely i i guess what okay that worldview is coming back from where i'm sitting i mean and we i talk about QAnon a lot on here because i think QAnon is kind of the model of the future where you have this sort of um you have this sort of self-perpetuating internet cult it starts online and eventually it moves into the real. Um, and it's not hard to imagine. Uh, it's not hard to, it's not hard to imagine somebody programming some kind of AI or chat bot um, specifically to start these types of movements um, to create convincing conspiracy theories that people will, you know, I think generally lonely people will find community in and will become followers of. Um, and so in a way that, that old worldview is coming back. The belief in uh, genies and ghosts and demons is coming back because we're going to be living in an AI haunted world. And hmm. I guess, I guess my black pill is that it's like AI ends up in from where I'm sitting, AI is like the anti-printing press. Hmm. It's, <laughs> it's like the inversion of the printing press. And we're going to be living in this weird solipsistic internet dark ages. Um, I don't, I, I can't talk myself out of that. I don't want it to be that way. Like I said, I want to believe. I want to believe that you can still democratize the internet. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing how that's going to be uh, attainable. Nah, man, that's so good. Holy shit. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> let me take this part from, it's so nice to be able to talk about this stuff too. Usually I kind of mind my P's and Q's and like, it's, so that's why, yeah. It's, no, um, this is schizotopia. For sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Also, it's like, I think, I mean, honestly, like, go check out that, like, Naomi Wolf article out of, like, Brownstone Institute. Like, she wrote it just, like, or I came across it, like, just even a couple days ago. It's like, the old gods have returned, right? And she's talking about, like, the only, she's an atheist Jew and says, hey, it's argument from evil. Like, uh, this, the stuff that's been going on the past couple of years is, like, so specifically pointed. It has to be, like, intelligent in design. And if there's, like, an evil, just, it's, the, the crazy part isn't what she says, is the fact that she says it, right? Yes, it, yes, like, exactly. You're writing this thing saying, old God's return. It's like, well, that's just madness, basically, that, that this is working its way into, like, popular discourse. So let me start from a couple different pieces and, like, pull a couple threads and, like, um, do it this way. So one, we always, like, Every like mental model, heuristic construct, blah, not the thing itself, blah, 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 fine. Um, but we always, so you have to, you sacrifice resolution for like, yeah, like uh, interpretive, uh, like power, fine. Um, but even so, this idea versus like, there's been a bunch of noise versus there was one noise. That's kind of how I shorthand it for like the the average, the, <laughs> the hoi polloi, like the, the, like there's one Roman Catholic church and the, like all this stuff and there's one narrative. It's like, obviously like that's not the case like things operated at multiple levels right there was an official like uh uh 
narrative story power structure. And that was contested and ebbed and flowed, but there's like some, some like some attempt at that. But underneath it, there was like divergence of information and cacophony and solipsism like you wouldn't believe, right? It was regional, it was local, it had no way of connective tissue. You'd walk from one place to another. It was just as noisy and messy uh, as it is today. Like to just put it, you just didn't have connective tissue to other stuff, but it was always, there's the same divergence and solipsism, but it was just, it was, it was geographically and communally defined, basically. And you didn't know that unless you went out traveling. That's hence the great, like, you know, tradition of the European noble or whatever to go out and do that sort of stuff. So it's always kind of like what we're getting into is like, now we just have access to it. We see it. It's like the crypto stuff, like, oh, all this bad stuff happens. It's like, that's always been the case. You're actually just seeing it for the first time, right? You have visibility into it, the code, the community, whatever, you can trace it. So this has always been the case. Like it's, it's the ontology remains fixed. Like your epistemology is like finally caught up to it, right? And so like, that's kind of what's happening. Now you have access to all this information. The nefarious thing is like your view to this, your Overton window, like what you think you know is controlled, right? And so whether it's like the experiment, you go Google something or use a different search engine or use a DVPN and you're seeing like radically different results, right? Like who controls that algorithm? Who controls the results of what you see? Like the crypto stuff is very interesting for the first time. That's, and part of this is bias. So just, I hate it when people talk about themselves, but it's like, <clears throat> it's important you just know my biases. Like we did a couple startups where we were doing the, this. And like the first time we cracked open was, uh, was with one of the Google guys who created the XML standard that runs your cell. And so they were, we're doing this stuff and then they turned off the API, right? And you're like, oh, we lost our social graph. We're not able to do any connective tissue. And so the, the promise of the internet was you can have a social graph, you can take it with you. Developers can say, show me my twin, show me an anti-twin, show me all this creative stuff. And you keep the metadata visible so everybody knows what's going on. Like they cut that off. And so that, that internet that could have been with auto, the more positive like ideas behind it, like there's no ability to do that. That's not going to come from like the aggregators who control that TAM. That's going to come from people through us, right? That are able to like work around with products and knowledge and discovery in the code. That doesn't help the aggregators TAM. That is like anti-thing basically. And so of course you're not going to have that. That's what I was kind of hinting at when I said the business models are like, necessarily so right when you get so big the only way you can like grow your market and we've sold a couple companies like public companies what have you so i'm just i'm telling you like they have to grow their total addressable market or decommoditize so that what that means is everybody gets the same stuff right mm -hmm. there is no divergent weird esoteric just very much like the analog pre-printing press it's a cookie cutter and it's a cookie cutter not just because it's good or bad there's a control issue there but it's also a cookie cutter you're not exposed to other things because that's the most profitable for like growing that tam that's a function of aggregation the ability of like disaggregation through these technologies is to say hey you actually can make a living like sharing wacky ideas doing something else just creating something else that's outside this basically that's a that's like really different like the technological rails are being undone and so back to that idea of original sin of not being able to preserve state you can preserve state with some of this new tech you can literally undo that that's being done like as we speak you 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 actually can open up a, uh, an algorithm like alexandria project open index algorithm you can you can say hey what am i seeing like that's being used in like middle east and under regime like you can actually see that and have people create like not obviously negative things, but positive, it at least has a chance to be positive instead of jammed in this TAM cookie cutter. Same thing with the database layer. Oh, like maybe the first thing they did with Arweave was put Library of Alexandria on it, right? It's like, there, there's like, you're, it doesn't mean it'll work, but you at least have a chance from a technical perspective with like DPIN or things like that. Like you at least have a shot to be able to do that, right? Um, 
So that's like just number one, there's always been a multiplicity. The thing that's been super nefarious about this false fork is that what you actually are able to see is crafted. That's like a medieval Lord, like harvesting the fruits of your time and attention, like a, a metaphysical, like a, like a medieval alchemy as like turning your time and attention into their profit. That's going to take you down a very specific path. The ability to unwind that is, uh, is like radical. We're in super early days. You're not going to see it now. Every time it actually does work, you don't recognize it until it's already happened. That's like the epistemological that's just how it happens, right? And the, the transition to the Renaissance, they thought it was the end of days, basically. Not only Lutheran Company, Drew's Apocalyptic Dream, like they, their world was being undone. You're not going to see, you're not going to see the silver lining or the way it works out. It's not guaranteed that's going to happen. The thing I can't guarantee is you're not going to see it until it's already happened, if history rhymes at all. So that's like point number one. Like point number two on the too much information, there's always been information. The question is like how you get access to it and who controls what you see. And so that's like, that's the critical point of attack, what pops up in the feed. And if you listen to, you know, some of the, the AI folks who will be honest about it and, and you, and even having done some of this myself, you lose track of it. You like, you write the algorithms and all of a sudden they take on a life of their own. I don't just mean like kind of pop culture ghost in the machine. I mean, like literally you produce unexpected results. Like it doesn't even have to be like a sentient personal having feelings. It can just be like literally what pops up in my feed, right? Like when we were interacting with those graphs and like forking them, like you would write certain things with certain rules and rules conflict or by get or fork other rules. And all of a sudden like wacky stuff pops up. That is sometimes you can trace it back. Sometimes you can't trace it back. If you believe in that like ancient supernatural worldview that it gets very interesting at like that point. So all that's like, all that's like supercharged, like difficult, like deleterious fine. Like the thing I will say is that that's kind of what I was hinting at at the beginning of this conversation when I was talking about like the structuralist or a null school or pick whoever you want to pick basically, right? Like there are these deep-seated structures, socioeconomic, demographic, and they almost have like a predetermined geographic, obviously, and they almost have a predetermined life of their own. You, when you look at it post from this side, you can't imagine anything else actually happening. There's no other way anything can work out. The only thing I can say is that like that tends not to work out in history that the unexpected it's like, uh, you know, Goldblum scientist in Jurassic Park, like life finds a way to like break the unexpected like in that sense, it's like tends to happen in history, even if you can't see it, there are some fingerprints that you can kind of see like who controls the the algorithm controlling the information sifting and like up until recently you were subject to like being super controlled and not even knowing it as was everybody no one would have had this conversation right a couple of chardin scholars maybe right that's it and like now all of a sudden you're, you're starting to see like not only the code we actually have like extant rails today that we operate and validate on that where this is working but you, you're actually having this in conversations like you so it's very early days but people are popping up and saying ha I wonder if this if this isn't the end, um, if there is like some other opportunity out of it. I can't see how it'll work out. But the fact that we're having this conversation right now, it's so much better than like, it's better to be pessimistic about how it won't work out than like be completely oblivious to it, right? Yeah, no, I'll... I'll uh, that's wildly... probably not a very good pep talk. It's probably the worst pep talk you've ever heard. <laughs> no, this is this, I think this has been a very realistic pep talk. Um, the thing, I mean, the thing with AI and AI derivatives, I mean, I, because... I'm not actually willing to concede that it's uh, that it's real intelligence yet. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think you'd need to make an actual like uh, CRISPR brain in a vat to actually get something like real artificial intelligence. But the thing about these advanced algorithms, I guess we could call them, is that, you know, it, it's not Skynet that I'm afraid of. 
Um, it's not some kind of like uh, hokey robot death apocalypse that I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of is what I call mass catfishing, right? A kind of catfishing apocalypse. Because the thing about catfishing, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Catfish or the, it was, it was a documentary and then there was a TV show. Yeah, I didn't, but that's how I met my wife. So it's fine. No, <laughs> sorry, 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 keep going. But in any, in any of these catfishing narratives, and, and there's been a, there's a whole genre of documentaries about this now, but in any of these catfishing stories, these catfishing narratives, there is some Rubicon moment that somebody has where, you know, it goes from being this person, this wonderful, perfect person they met online. It goes from being a little bit suspicious to being like clearly fake. But often when, when a person reaches that point, once they're already emotionally invested, they become complicit. There, there's, there's like a, a, a point that an identifiable point in all these catfishing stories yeah. where they flip, where they flip the switch and they are now complicit in their own catfishing. And when I think of, um, I think of the way in which, you know, chat GPT or similar types of uh, advanced algorithms, the way in which they function as a mirror that people can kind of narcissistically fall in love with, um, that does freak me out because kind of what I'm saying, like QAnon is a model of the future. It's like everyone could begin to have their own little uh, AI mystery cults, basically, that they live in. And um, that's a... That's not a that's not a new renaissance. That, that's going to be a new dark ages. Yeah, it's I mean, man, you're getting to the heart of this. This is funny. Like I got into this a bit with like Justin Murphy when we did a bit like he. OK, yeah. So here's one way to think about it. Like, yeah, I totally agree. That's I mean, yeah, it's like the one way to think about it is we're already there and we've been there a while and we're only yeah. recognizing it now. Like this Absolutely. idea like, oh, oh, shit, J chat GPT. We didn't care about it when like uh, AI was going to take all the truckers jobs. But if it's me, like the web design now, now <laughs> when it ruins, I, when wait, it ruins college. Yeah. Now it's. A problem. Yeah. 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 Now, now everybody's like, hey, what's going on? And they're like. And just all this like obsession, like, oh, Elon Musk says then, did you know if it, uh, so-and-so said this? And did it, it's like, you're not going to be able to change any of it. Like, not, uh, whatever you think you're going to do, like, not only are you not going to be able to change it, I think it's already here. Like, I just, I, I will simply say, like, uh, when you talk to some of the, the folks, like, really into it, who often don't go on record, they'll say, we've been doing this a while. Like, you, you're seeing tip of the iceberg that's publicly yeah. exposed, right? Yeah. You think you're seeing, you think you're seeing you think you're seeing a mag anything within a realm of several magnitudes of order of what's actually extant, what's probably been like in product. Like I would say, yeah, you're right. Like all sorts of like weird, bad mystery call all sorts of stuff. The thing I'd say is we already are there. And I don't mean, Oh, you have QAnon or whatever. Like what I literally mean is like, I think it, it's, this is, I think you have like a few powerful ones that have been like controlled for very specific purposes. One of which is like tant total addressable market creation. I think you have like a, a weird esoteric mystery cult that like takes away not only your agency, but like your ability to know you're in one, like running out of fang for quite a while. Like you're just not aware. That's why I always do that medieval peasant thing. I'm like, Hey, those medieval peasants are so dumb. They didn't know. I'm like, what about you? Like you think you can share your money? No, you can't. You have a medieval contract, an IOU for your quote unquote stock. You think you can do your payment? Your credit card company turns off. You think you can have communication? Like not just deplatform. That's the obvious one. What if you're not just shadow banned? What if the algorithm changes and they harvest that basically, right? You're already in that. You just don't know that. And there's, there's a, the question isn't, is there going to be like weird, bad stuff using technology out there? There obviously is, there already is. The question is like, is it who's controlling it and what's its nature? Like right now we're in like this kind of hegemonic aggregative like structure, right? Like where there's, there's a few of these, we're all participants. 
they're so good at it, we don't even know it. This is like back to like Gromsky's basic, like you get an F if you have to use force, you get a C if you have to threaten force, you get an A if people, if you're enforcing, but they aren't even aware of it, right? And so like, we're already like under a subject of like people operating with like A pluses on that. You're already under it, you don't know it. There's a few like aggregated ones out there. You're looking at this saying, hey, I absolutely are. I highly predict that you're a thousand percent right you're already subject to like a couple big ones that everyone's participating in. I also think I wouldn't underestimate the ability of like just the unlocking in terms of generative power of a few controlling, you know, whatever construct it is to now an opening up, you're going to have positive and you're going to have negative results. You're going to have unintended negative consequence. All that's true, 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 true. You're also going to have the ability to create something you didn't like think about before. Like that's why I use this medieval to Renaissance, like his like mm -hmm. analogy, right? Like if you basically say, Hey, so what happened as a result of that? Oh shit. Now you had competing like worldviews. You had competing of what was meaningful. You had the ability to choose your community for the first time. You might've done it for the wrong reasons. They might've screwed it up, blah, blah, But you have the choice of that. You have the unlocking a proto-cow. You can point and say, oh, that's colonialism. And oh, that's 70 years war. And you have conflict and blah. like all that's true. But like you're, you, you have these pockets of like people like pursuing their vocation, people like with like freedom to believe and like follow, like you have this like you have like the modern like construct of like the ability to to not only like pursue like what you like and what you're good at, but to have like your belief without a, a series of control either through dissemination or through like the authority of that, whether it's like you happen to believe the ancient <laughs> like the ancient like deities controlling technology or like Luther with forensic justification or whatever you want to do, you can do that now. So like yeah, all this bad stuff is unlocked as a result of it. It was Armageddon at the Re Renaissance and Reformation, right? It's like Munster's Revolution of 1525. There's a reason why Engels and Marx like cite Luther as their or, uh, sorry, like, uh, there's a reason why uh, Thomas Munster, not Luther, uh, there's a reason why they like cite Marx and Engels are citing Luther as their hero, right? Like, they're like, all this stuff is unlocked. You're absolutely right. But, like, right now, you're in the exact same spot, controlled by a few, but you're not aware of it. You're looking at like an unlocking of craziness, some of which will be, it'll be opening up of a poll doesn't mean everybody has to go to that poll, nor will everybody. It unlocks design space all along the spectrum. And, like, some of that'll be very good, some of it'll be very bad. It's, I would argue, it's better to like actually like have that choice and participate in it. And yeah, you're going to have a, then be locked into what you're not aware of. Although that's more of a kind of a philosophical choice, I guess. But yeah, you're right. Um, I agree with that. I think it's like opportunity cost versus where you are now. And I just wouldn't underestimate the generative. I mean, this is the, this is the, that philosophical piece in me, like it kind of gets into the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the Luther crot, the theology of the crot, like, weird shit tends to pop out of like the mud and the blood and the beer and like this idea of like suffering and interaction like uh it, it, the unexpected basically and like a, a wild and capricious god that's bound himself in like certain ways that you never would have dreamed of now it's glossed over with you know a thousand years of like cultural accretion but the, the idea of how radical the transformation is that can actually break out of that and like the unexpected again just use jeff goldblum and jurassic park if you want to or you can pick out all the classic you know now we have pluralism now we have edict of non religious liberty <clears throat> now we have public square you can criticize all of that and those criticisms are legit significant and you wouldn't have had otherwise so you're gonna have both and um so yes you're right yeah. but there's more to the story would be my personal I, take on i it. mean I, I just think that the reformation created hyper christianity which we call liberalism but really it's it was just hyper christianity um, but I just don't, I, I personally don't believe that's what was intended by the people who are writing the Bible. I don't think they ever, I think if you had tried to explain 
to the people writing the first gospels, like what, what the process that Christianity would go through over the next 20 centuries, um, I think they would have become atheists. I don't think they would have, I don't think they could have ever conceived of a, a hyper literate world where everyone would be reading and interpreting uh, their gospels. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, uh... For sure, like one of the wacky things about it is, uh, like for sure, they wouldn't have anticipated it. Um, they'd be horrified at it. It's the distinction between like Christendom and Christianity, um, like all that sort of stuff. Um, they, the publication, and like, yeah, you're right. Like the even they, the people writing the early gospel, like for the most part, like they're they're writing like they're writing them with like Hebrew pens, right? And they're like strongly out of like Second Temple like literature, basically. And so they're they're they their literacy when they would say they're literate, it would all be oral culture. The mm. way you publish something, like the first time you have like Semitic, like creeping into writing, the first time you get a meta link in there is like Moses telling Joshua, hey, write this stuff down. Like that's when you have it. It's like, they didn't write it down to preserve it. They wrote it down because the publication was the public reading. It's exactly the opposite of how we think about it. We think today oral tradition is like shitty and it's not reliable. They would think um, oh, printed word is not reliable. Any jackass can pick up a pen and edit stuff. But if it's actually written, if it's actually read repeatedly in public the assembly with like witnesses, yeah. which is the basic of, then everybody says, so no, 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 that's not what that was, right? That, and so like, it's, it's very, it's very inverted, just like all the stuff in there where you know, they're talking about farming, farming's in the city, right? Like it's not rural, farming is the city. Like every access we have when we read that outside of ancient is, is up, inside and upside down they would have said the oral stuff is the real stuff and the written stuff is like a very specific like structure and they're they're a, they're a fundamental part of their time right so it's like yeah we jack it up every which way like post protestant and not like just even basic stuff it's like oh you got 10 commandments there's two tablets it's five and five right no 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 that's like that's for, if you believe this claim it's like a, a god operating in a going into history which is batshit crazy and operating babbling with babies and then so like <laughs> that's like a hittite treaty right you make two copies of it one goes to the big king one goes to the little king they each go to their domains that way you can check it and it's orally read oh shit there's two of them together in this place what's that mean oh it means the big king is with the little king like it's like there's all this construct and culture that like you're starting to get into but like from their perspective the oral publication of it they would have considered the themselves like literate that way for sure the privatization of it is like what was the the distracting piece of it and so yeah from that so there's all sorts of things they would have looked at like the hyper christian they're also like the medievalist to me would say hey guys you you that that narrative there's so much craziness going like luther's second favorite book after the bio after he's doing that is like theologia germanica right it's like mysticism right like it's just absolute like outright mysticism and there's like there's so much more of a rich I mean, some people would say from the academic perspective, it's like Thomas Kuhn, religion and the divine's magic. It'd be like, you actually don't have, you actually don't even have Christianity after the Reformation, basically. It's still like magic cult culture, like forever, right? Um, up until like you maybe even never had it. And so all that's to say like this popular folks religion, folks like uh, culture is like very rich, solipsistic, like overlapping, like not just like the stuff you know about like the cathars or the deviant, but like the, the the pop old stuff never goes away. And like out of the Protestant is trying to create a new thing, he's trying to reform it. It's not even, and he might have succeeded. It's not, and not until the Council of Trent, you have the door shut. Even you have Peter Grimley saying, hey, they're arguing for forensic justification and for like pieces of the scriptures. The interesting part is like, why did he succeed when all these other people didn't? Like at the Reichstag, they're basically saying, hey, you're going to be like Wycliffe and Husk and burn forever. It's because you actually had a press basically where all of a sudden this like message is getting out. So like 
All that's to say it's like much more complex. There are these layers of all sorts of craziness, hyper-liberal, hyper-pagan, hyper like just it's a it's a rich like tapestry and mosaic out of that. And so oh. we say, oh, like Luther opened up the Pandora's box. It's like he actually didn't, he exposed what was always going on. And that's kind okay. of the analog I'm trying to make when we say, oh, well, the GPT that in this we're gonna have a, a Pandora's box of craziness. I'd say we already have concentrated craziness you're not aware of it now we're going to have it like out in the open where everybody can see it and it's going to get crazier for sure but there is a shred of like there is definite possibility and pieces all along the spectrum like if you don't like one pole or the other there's like something in there that's going to be represented out of this like um and like also part of this gets into like just philosophically or theologically how you think like like uh kind of stuff works out is it like it's like not just deus ex machina but it's like uh it's like the 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 almost like the poetry or the 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 you catastrophe piece where you have like the stuff gets super bad until it doesn't and it always looks deus ex machina until it isn't so sorry okay, but if, it, if we take the ape of god idea um you know the, the the devil can't create anything he can only mimic god's creation and what all of this generative ai looks like to me now is like yeah, the, the biggest yeah, yeah. ape of god you ever could have created. yeah yeah oh, and man, yeah. What, what i've been thinking about lately is uh meister eckhart in the beginning of his sermons ah, one of his yeah. sermons he says something to the effect of i couldn't believe that somebody wrote this he said something to the effect of the only people who can come to god are stupid dummy idiots basically um oh yeah the only people who can come to God are stupid, dummy idiots. And now I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to live in this world where we've created this, <laughs> this technological ape that's going to be able to simulate human beings perfectly. And the only way to escape it is to become a stupid, dummy idiot. That'll be the only way to be enlightened in the information age is to be a stupid, dummy idiot who can't be, who can't be simulated, right? Who can't be manipulated uh, by this machine that's going to expect me to act in a rational way. So in, in order to preserve my humanity, I have to become something inhuman. I have to become the ape in order to escape. Uh, the I view it differently, man. This is so good. This is this is I'm cackling out of glee to say, so you know, like, no, of course, of course. It's like, this is so awesome. It's like, yeah. So yeah, like this is the heart, man. I'm so glad you're like, okay. Like, just think. so let me just work with the source. Like Eckhart, he's quoting Paul, like basically Paul saying, Hey, uh, God didn't choose you guys. Cause you're awesome. In fact, he chose you because you're the worst of the worst and the dumbest. And he, he in fact picked you guys because you're so dumb. He wanted to like shame the wise basically. And he's not just talking about like the human people. He's talking about like, he calls them powers and principalities. It's like, yeah. why didn't God just like say certain things and be clear about it. And like, why is Christ saying, Hey, don't say this yet. Don't read all this yet. He basically says out of that. And this is what Eckhart's quoting out of Paul. So I'm just, I'm going back to his source. He basically says, Hey, like um this was like a mystery like concealed basically like hidden like in order that the powers and principalities like didn't know the plan otherwise they wouldn't have like uh they wouldn't have uh they wouldn't have uh done what they're gonna do and so but very specifically paul's saying like yeah like all this is inverted and upside down right like the 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 dialogue these authors are having isn't just with like bail and it isn't just with it's like there <laughs> so a couple different things like one just let me just give you one little picture from the sources and then i'll get into eckhart and then i'll get into what it might mean today like the picture that like they're quoting at least the authors when they're writing this stuff they're they're literally quoting like anuma leech they're quoting these sources and saying hey you guys got the wrong guy right like christ isn't this blonde-haired blue-eyed little hummel figure it's like 
he's let me tell you about like a son of God who was in charge of everything basically. And like, there is this great God who created light and he was in charge of taking care of his people. And he had the son and he became incarnate and his name was Ra. And that was Horus, who of course was Pharaoh living incarnation. And he had, he had this like bodyguard who was a goddess of death, like a head. And she was like badass. She'd go after him with the sword, blah, blah. And so like afterwards, like Paul and author of Hebrews are saying, Hey, it's Christ who's going down there is like not the image of Michael, the archangel, like putting a spear through Satan. It's actually like Christ with the sword judging these gods. And like they seem to indicate they're real if you like believe in like the Jude thing talking about like the Titans going down to Tartarus or whatever. And he basically de creation of these people, like one after another, everyone from flood god to fly god to river god to et cetera, et cetera. And so like that idea basically that it's like this this super aggressiveness. Um that uh and then like what's he do basically like not in this like gilded palace like you'd be but with like a bunch of like like the people you'd least expect right it's like oh mary some unwed teenage mother like she's supposed to be stoned to death by law right it's like joseph breaks the law by doing that and so or like what's supposed to happen basically like these babylonian magicians show up as the first people with the nations and the shepherds they're like unclean and like pharisaic like rabbinic tradition so like everything's upside down and inside out and so it's like it's definitely like not the most erudite the the meaning that you're a dumbass and you're like not smart it's like part of that is like social status eckhart's quoting that from paul he just doesn't know that's like how paul's describing it but part of it also is like it's not just that like you're a dumbass it's like part of it is status there's a reason why early christianity is a religion of like women and slaves like it's inverse to the power relationship usually it doesn't have to be but like that's part of it and so when they're saying like hey you you have to be dumb i mean part of that is like part of that is like Pauline pieces of it. Like none of this makes sense. Like if in the accounts, like you believe like Areopagus is going fine until you say like, oh yeah. And then death was undone. You're like, oh shit, that doesn't make any sense. That's when they kick him out of there. And so like part of that is like just believing that thing itself makes you dumb by de facto. Part of it is like, yeah, God chooses like this dirt. He's not in a palace. He's like this dirty desert, dusty God working with his, like these slaves basically leading Like none of this makes any sense. And then back to that worldview, it's like, if your civilization is awesome, your God's the best. That's why the Babylonians saying like, hey, we're running it, or Pharaoh saying we're running it. Basically, that's because they have the best gods. It doesn't make any sense for like a god to be like powerful and like not be running like a good civilization. It's all upside down and inside out, and like that's part of what Eckhart. And that was kind of what I was hinting around about when I went to like Wea Antiqua and Wea Moderna. There's like a massive split on like what's the nature of the use of reason. Is it like not just ministerial and magisterial, but like what are you allowed to do throughout like medieval accretion? They could like reason their way in. Like Luther called it like you know a schoolman looking in appear at like the deus new the naked god basically and luther just says f no and there's a bunch of people before him that said no you know absolutely nothing not just by being a creature or sinful but like just by the the nature of the bridge is like ontological dis disunion is like too big you know nothing this is literally where kant is pulling this from in his like cosmic madman the only exception is where it's like bound in this stuff so you know nothing like by de facto that's like the claim out of it and then there's all this other like socio-cultural like inversion so that's like part of it that's just like what Eckhart's quoting, how Luther's using it, how the, those guys are writing it, they're writing it in this ancient Near Eastern polemic. So it's not just like you have to be dumb or an IQ, part of it's the nature of the claim, part of it's like, yeah, how that tends to work out. And that part of that's like an inverted kingdom too. So it doesn't mean you have to be stupid. What I would say is like you're a thousand, I thousand percent agree with like the chat GPT being like the absolute, AI being the absolute ape. That's 
that's actually like, I think the deeper into that rabbit hole you go, the more accurate that claim is. Part of it is you lose like visibility into what's generating this stuff. If you believe in that ancient worldview where stuff popping out, the entrails fall this way versus that way, and you're interpreting it that way, that means the, the god is, say, Artemis is saying, hey, do this if you're down in Ephesus or whatever, right? Go to war, do this. They're interacting with these like giant like economic blocks or political blocks, and they're doing it through these like esoteric instances at this point, or the non-material, let's just say that. It's like, well, that's really interesting, but it's directing. Like you could say it's all random, but if you are a disembodied being, intelligent evil, like trying to create like chaos or like or like a very specific program, that's exactly the point at which I would interact. That'd be goat entrails or like esoteric murmuring, like with Delphi. That very maybe like algorithmic queuing here. Like so, point number one, like I think we're already there. Point two, with like the GPT and ape, yeah, that's like when you really get into like the lit, or even you talk to the folks, and some of them are very public about it. They're saying we have a great difficulty programming something to be human. It's not that AI is going to be human. It has all the animalistic parts like ai is going to be awesome at like creating like animals that appear to be humans and that's that's kind of what i was talking about the algorithms and you know tinder and the the farming and what have you and so like quite the opposite the thing they can't that it always goes evil right yeah no shit like that's a that actually might be like the emulation or the absence of good or the derivative or however you want to describe it so from like that perspective like of course it's going to be a great ape it's not going to be an ape that's so awesome it, it is human it's going to be an ape that has the facade of humanness that basically always forces you into like a decreated construct of like animal nature where your your created order is inverted back to that point and so like what you need to do out of that or what you'll be forced to do is like differentiate the thing from the sign signified or or you can use both simulation similar you can frame it in a bunch of different ways depending upon your philosophical like <laughs> preference but i actually think it's going to like the unique aspect is going to be like the humanity of it like status is a manga is image of god like that isn't able to be replicated and by the way that's kind of what you have out of these ancient like accounts as well basically that not only is it derivative but it's it's because that 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 qualitative humanity is always missing it always goes into degeneration that's the polemic we would say it's degeneration they would say no it's fuck awesome that's why they're what's what well you'd say like what's the results of that right if i do this thing what's it lead to it leads to like difficulty devilishness like all the things you're describing um I don't think it will be able to 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 emulate the intangible like piece of humanity. And in fact, that's like constantly what you're hearing. We can't get it to like behave. It always ends up evil. Like that may not be the case, but I actually take like great great uh, great comfort in that. That makes sense to me, basically. Um, and mm -hmm. then you can put a litmus test on it and say. Uh, so yeah, I don't think you're gonna have to be dumb, and everybody else is gonna be superhuman. I think I, it's quite the opposite. It's I gonna, don't think everybody else is gonna appear to be human for not believing it. Well, oh, sorry. I, I don't think I don't think Eckhart's saying go get lobotomized, but I don't think he's saying. But he's saying you know don't. It's not it's not through respectability that you're going to gain salvation, and so I guess what I mean is like in today's world, it's it's the respectable people or the people who really value respectability that oh, yeah. are going to go for the simulation that seems the most respectable, that yeah. seems the most, that seems the yeah. most rational. Right. And that's the other thing, you know, chat GBT right now, they call it hallucinations, which I think is really funny when it gives you what appears to be a convincing answer. That's completely wrong. Yeah. Oh right? man. That's so good. Right? So, so I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is it's like, it's the schizos that will inherit the earth. It's the people oh, who are just yeah. kind of, who are just kind of nutty and kind of off and hard to simulate and hard to appeal to on the basis of respectability. Oh, 
maybe, that's maybe so it's respectability is the better word than than like yeah I, yeah I no, sorry i got lost yeah, 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 yeah. I, I went down a different tangent no that's so and also like if you're into eckhart like just humor me for like shits and get just read like luther's like heidelberg disputation on like the theology of the cross like little tiny book they're almost like meditative that's where he in like that will read none of the luther none of the the academics will just read that as a commentary on eckhart right like a theologian across calls the the bad thing good and the good thing bad and that's the real thing right the knowledge like all those like seemingly mm. paradoxical statements if you're into that side of it i the, it's like a short little a short little tiny book little tiny disputation and like read that as an extension of eckhart because i think that will that will radically change you see the luther post like luther in 500 years of like polishing him up like actually like you it's like theologia germanica is like what he's drawing from all over the place basically and like you know the the church historians will like pit luther versus eckhart and there's like points on pieces just read like the theology of the cross piece like not because it's like it's so inverted like whiz it's literally you're almost giving a commentary on it. Like if you want unsolicited recommended reading, that's like a little book that, and if you're into Eckhart, that I can't recommend enough. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's super formative. Um, so yeah, it, it's worth like an afternoon, just kind of taking a look through that. I mean, with Luther, what I always think about is that the first thing he says in his thesis, if I remember correctly, it's the life of the believer is the life of repentance, basically, right? It's been a while, but that was basically the gist of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a uh, yeah. The thesis, um, and yeah, it's um for sure. Yeah, there's. I mean, I don't know how far down you want to go, and like the, the Heidelberg. <laughs> well, so part part of this is like, oh man, the the historians always argue when was like the quote unquote breakthrough, as if that's one event, and like, is it the disputation or is it not, or is it the theses? Some people put like the the disputations are very different, where it's like you're. He's essentially saying, hey what you've just described with a semblance of respectability is actually running the world. That's what's actually happened. We actually think like the antichrist using like papal tiara, in this case, it'll be like mm. chatby GPT has already run the world. Like the semblance of respectability as well as like power and control and like information that's already happened. And so he's starting to work stuff out with the disputation or with the theses. You're almost reading like crib notes. They aren't intended for publication. They're just not. And it's like, he's, he's kind of halfway kind of working stuff through um, and when you get into like, when it comes full force, like at the certain point where you said, hey, you're going to burn anyway. And so where he just says, hey, I have no other choice, conscience, like he's, he's framing that not on authority. He's framing that on this very, this two kinds of righteousness, alien, right? I know it sounds like madness to us moderns, but he right. actually had this priority of the theological, this idea of like justification, like how is a sinner acceptable in the sight of a holy God? And they like this legal idea of like, forensic imputation credited like twofold like negative wiped out fine positive credited like that's what he's doing and so like all of that is like madness it means that you have no contribution in that and that like that changes from the first uh the first uh the first theses as you go through into that uh, from heidelberg and beyond and so that's that's why like heidelberg's a good point point of entrance if you're into that but uh it really focuses around that like that justification piece, which seems like super esoteric theology, like it is the opposite of practice, mm. basically, that like your practice like flows out of that as a result. But like, if you're into Eckhart at all, just like do me a personal, just like read the Heidelberg stuff. It'll like, what you're describing is like literally, but what you're describing is like, yeah, it's a thousand percent. He'd say that was a situation that's already been in. And like, I kind of think we're already there. We actually just aren't aware of it and it's concentrated again and everything you're saying is true like yeah luther would say of course no shit you think you think the you think the you think saint peter's being gilded in gold is an accident 
you think like Joe's <laughs> clapping like a uh, thing down on the corner is, uh, is an accident that everybody flocks there. He'd basically say, anytime you see like anything real, it's going to be in anything meaningful and like transcend, it's like going to be covered in shit. That's the place you want to look. He said, that's the way it's been all throughout. That's how he read. He said like Israelites, like, yeah, they're the least of all things, like the early Christian least of all, like, of course, like Christ, like it's like completely defined, like every, every expectation. So I'd say, yeah, you're reading it a thousand percent right. This is just a new rapper. It's a new remix of the same old beat. It's, it's always stood out to me that McLuhan converted to Catholicism of all things. It's like he saw the information culture that we were in is like the ultimate iconoclasm. And yeah. he, he decided uh, this yeah. is this is going to be too much. I'm going to find the best icon I can to pray to. And so he, he, goes, he returns to Catholicism. Um, yeah, it's psychologically and just full disclosure. Like, so my PhD was with a guy named Heiko Obermann, who is like the, the Luther guy, but he co-taught in an institute in Tübingen and he co-taught, he ran it with this guy named Ratzinger, who was like, uh, who became Benedict. And so like, they were the, they were the guys. Um, and so like, they would debate on like German access, you know, public TV and do drinking games. And so it's like German entertainment is very different than our, the point of the story is like, yeah, there's like a, there's a great like psychological reprieve in that. Right. Just like in the midst of like craziness, like finding like certain, yeah. Saying that's the best icon. That's like a really good way of looking at it. And like, you know, Roman Catholicism, maybe trendy, maybe not trendy. At least they're like embracing supernatural, especially with like, Benedict was, I mean, that was like a very different version of it before Francis, who knows where mm -hmm. it goes, but like you see analogs of that into Eastern Orthodox and what have you. The thing I would really encourage is like, nobody is like, <laughs> like Luther and Lutherans just don't exist, but that like that idea of like that voice being able to say, Hey, there's material and there's spiritual. And like this idea of like, this idea of like this paradoxical tension of like freedom and authority and access to the source code and like access to the divine directly without mediation and like the priority of like this theological construct of justification like credited not just died for my sins but like credited with obedience is like a is like a construct all of that is like it's like a very rich tradition but to your point like yeah i kind of agree it got co-opted by you just don't hear it anymore it's like a voice you've never you've never read the heidelberg disputation right it's like probably the most important like piece of literature it's just like it's such a rich like counter minority status no one's ever heard of it and like luther would like luther would say of course like what what do you expect right that's what that's what it says in the document itself how meta do you want to get like no one's going to hear of this no one's going to go after it it's like also, it's like not accidental too. Like when they're looking at that stuff, it's like, what's the, what's the, how's it actually look? He's always saying like destitute, despised, suffering. It's like, uh, you know, Elijah's saying, hey, I don't see anybody. They're all worshiping Baal, basically. Like, why is that? It's like even the the prophets are like decrying and saying, oh, frick, what happened? Like they forget how to do this stuff until Josiah. He's knocking down a bathroom. He's he's remodeling, opens up a wall to make a bathroom, and they're like, oh shit, here's the book. We forgot about that. We're supposed to be reading that as communal publication. Like this is the history from the ancient to the modern to Luther. That's it, it, exactly what you'd expect. And so yeah, your point on McLuhan, like that makes perfect sense. It's like very predictable same thing with like rise of you know pageau orthodox all that sort of stuff like the flocking to that the idea of like transcendence in the midst of like inanity basically like i would i would just say there is this other like view out there which is super minority and like super weird that like it's worth just interacting with like luther a bit partially because like back circling back like this this embracing technology like having like delicate unintended like negative consequences for sure but like unwinding this hegemony like replacing one hegemony with another iconic hegemony like might mm. not might not be the only answer but mm. i totally agree that's McLuhan. I, that's why i'm saying like when you read McLuhan, like there it's like he's pulling 
he's he's interacting with Chardin like all throughout. It's new sphere, new sphere, new sphere, new sphere. In the face of that, damn well you're gonna go. It makes it's very log. It's very understandable. When, Sorry, you're saying something. When I was younger, man, uh, this is not the conversation I totally, they typically have. I'm so glad when you reached out, you're like, <laughs> oh, the metaphysical. I'm like, no one ever asked about that stuff. I think it's the most interesting, and like, it's completely off the table. And it's like, it's only the people in the urban community that are doing any of this, too. What? By the way, um, although to what? our point earlier, now you're seeing old god stuff pop up everywhere. Uh, well, that's what I that's what I found the most compelling is that there was an actual <laughs> there was an actual metaphysics behind what you were saying, and that that's that's. That's a little outside of the headspace of most techies. Maybe not the crazy urban guys, but you know the the kind of general popular Silicon Valley techie stuff. They they're they're all like Reddit atheists. You know they don't want to talk about yeah. this stuff at all. They get offended if you even bring it up. Um, but when I was no, young- to your point, just just to pull on that thread, like your point on that, like Chat GP, AI is the great ape, and like that idea of like you know transhuman, like transcendental. It's like all the stuff versus. I mean, so I like these folks and interact with all the folks that, you know, your, your Claremont folks would take issue with and what have you. And like, but it, but it is true. It's like this idea of like, to make out like God in your own image. That's like the, the idea of like intelligence created. And it's not just like mm-hmm. some creation out of like mythopoic stuff. It's like, I, I think you're, I'm just echoing what you're saying, but like saying like from a, a vast, vastly different viewpoint and series of interactions, I a thousand percent agree with that. When I was younger and, and more left wing, I was obsessed with uh, Murray Bookchin. He may have read at some yeah. point or not. But I, through Bookchin, I got this idea that the nation state was just kind of a historical accident. It didn't really need to exist. There was no real reason that it ever needed to exist. That we, it was possible maybe that we could have gone from like Renaissance merchant republics to like weird little interconnected city state communes that could have. Yeah stumbled upon something like the industrial revolution but better and yep. we, we we could all be living in some kind of weird renaissance communism by now and then i got a little bit more cynical and was like no you know actually the nation state had a real reason for existing and it was historically inevitable and now i'm in this weird spot where i'm like okay I don't know how the past could have been different, right? That's all just counterfactual speculation on my part. But maybe the future could be something like that. Yeah. Ah, uh, man, man, you're just getting to the heart of it from every. All right. So here's here's one other. Here's how I kind of like. <laughs> obviously, all personal opinion, just how I'm processing this and how I think about this. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm like interpreting the data in like very similar way. Like, I think this idea of aggregation is not accidental aggregation of money, control, communication, of, of, uh, of perception of information and shaping of thought structures. I think that's, that's absolutely like not accidental. I think that when I'm talking about like uh, the, the supernatural entities using technology like for their own ends, I include bureaucracy as part of that, right? Like I, I think that bureaucracy as a, te- as a technology isn't like a bug, it's actually a feature. And so I think if you're going to control you're, you're going to use these aggregated constructs. They may be nation states like you think of them today. They may be, uh, they may be like, uh, uh, like company nation states if you want to view Fang or what have you. It's like, th- this is the ancient Near East like idea going back and saying, hey, at a certain point, like in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the narrative, basically God says, I'm done with you guys. Like I'm done. I'm handing all the nations over to basically my, these other like intermediary, like divine entities to rule. And like, these guys are going to run them. That's why, and I'm done with you. And then those guys rebel in turn and basically you get like absolute craziness and so that's why you have uh you're in plato saying the same thing and apkalu and kingsless saying the same thing that these nation states are physical embodiments city states or nation states or nations like all the way from ancient to modern are like physical embodiments of like 
of uh, interactions with like supernatural forces. Like I know it sounds batshit, but that's like the account and that's that's how they're thinking about that. And like, even if you don't buy that, if you do believe in this like supernaturally charged universe where you have intelligent evil wanting to like interact and like either cause chaos or execute a sophisticated plan, you need aggregation to make that happen. Aggregation dehumanizes, it cookie cutters, it controls, it debases, it decreates. And so aggregation is gonna take, it's like, yeah, it's almost like structuralist. It, it, the unlocking, the ability to unlock is going to cause chaos, but the ability to get out of that is better than nothing. And like, it, it forces you into this supernatural. That's why I keep going back to this Luther theology of the cross and the upside down and the inside out and like what you expect not to happen. The, the answer isn't going to come from within the paradigm, basically, right? It's going to complete completely outside of it. Like back to your point earlier with the 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 gospel writers, it's like the Messiah is supposed to judge the nations and their gods with a rod of iron and smash them apart and do all this stuff. And like, they're told like, hey, if you're kicked out of the land and you have other people ruling over you, that means that like you're subject to them and you have Antiochus the fourth basically setting up a defiling temple and doing all sorts of stuff. And so like when the Messiah actually comes, like it's not going to be like a military thing like everybody expects. Like it's completely outside the framework. It's supernatural, but it's it's not less real. It's actually more like judging those, those gods and so like, yeah, now we're in this already not yet, this interim period, like if you if you believe that sort of thing. So I'd expect this craziness to happen. And I'd expect like in the interim, like unlocking hegemony and hierarchy is like better than not being subject to it. Like despite the negative consequences, you're already in a negative consequence. You just don't know it. But also like that's the it forces at least me to that supernatural like expectation that uh, that uh, a solution will come outside the 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 system and also for what it's worth back to that platonic like neo-gnostic like matter spirit stuff it's like that was also like the the biblical authors like picture that it wasn't like the modern version of like this world is a shithole and god trashes it and you get sucked up to heaven but it's that this is that that's interim state where this heaven and earth like is recreated just as it was like before the flood post flood and so the the idea is like this material place and this earth is actually good and will be remade and so it, it at least forces me to like this strong continuity from like the 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 supernatural piece of it so i i'd agree with everything i'd agree with like everything you're saying around that and like forcing me into like that's why it's like i just couldn't tolerate like yeah hyper liberal or whatever you want to call it like outside of like outside of the the that luther's theology of the cross it's like paul like it's all scabala they translate his feces so it means it's all shit like literally you like it's not just like you're pietistic and you have nothing else it means there's a hope and like that should be upside down and inside out and be the the least credible and the the least prestigious it's like that's the that's the the dialectical tension that luther like preaches partially influenced from eckhart partially from beale and those other guys too this is not the conversation man this is i can't believe we're actually talking about this it's pretty crazy this is i'm glad <laughs> i'm hope i'm glad that it's been a pleasant surprise um yeah i listened to other stuff but i was like i was not uh, i mean the most amazing thing to me now is reading like like i was saying that naomi wolf like pu people publishing this stuff it's like i think the fact that you're talking about this and others are i mean that's like not to be like blase but i think that's mm -hmm. like the versus not knowing it and being subject to it like that's a that's like that's when you're completely screwed right <laughs> i mean i mean it's it, i always think about that famous lovecraft quote where um, you know, once once all once all knowledge comes together, um, we, we we might see something that <laughs> we can never unsee. <laughs> That's me paraphrasing. But basically, yeah, yeah. once yeah. all knowledge comes together, we, we might realize. Um, once we get rational enough, we might realize that the universe is actually deeply irrational, um, and we might not be able to handle it. As a kind of cosmic yeah, core yeah, of of Lovecraft, and I think that's I think a lot of liberals, for lack of a better term, they they don't realize that they're sitting on a historical island, 
Yeah. they, They don't understand that most of history has been incredibly brutal and cruel. You know, most of history did not have a middle class. Most of history was illiterate. And most of history, you know, people believed in uh, the metaphysical was as real to them as the sun and the moon and the stars. Um, and they they still don't understand that most of the world still lives there. They don't know that they're on this little island. Um, and they also don't understand that that island can get swamped at any moment, right? <laughs> yeah, it's one of the, it's one of the, like, history at its best it like it's at least one way to get outside your own blinders and basically say hey like what if what if what if this isn't the only world what if this like this 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 separation between the material and the 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 spiritual or supernatural what if what if like however you want to frame it causal connective explanatory mystical like whatever sacramental like pick pick whatever you want to do um it's like you're you're in this like very like you're you're a distinct outlier behind that right and like when you're reading whether it's lovecraft or pick like i like vance or pick whoever you want to do it's like you have these portals into like what if you're looking at like you know magic and like science is like in a very different relationship and by the way historically you you have this happening all the time basically that it's just that it happens like yeah your island often gets swamped and it gets swamped repeatedly and if it doesn't mean if you're if you're unique it doesn't mean you're wrong but it, it just means you definitely want to like persist in that perspective after you've thoroughly examined all the other all the other responses particularly when history is like rife as well as like even pop science fiction gaming and like the you know american gods like these ideas like they're they're drawing from this long almost like carol bloom like type of western canon dialogue that that you're just you're just oblivious to i mean all the way from like you know ugaritic finds were busting open in the 70s and reading this stuff like with like great detail that we've never read before uh, down into like you know pop culture like if you want to like say no to that then you just you just <laughs> i'd really make sure you've thoroughly explored all the alternatives and are sound in my, that so yeah my, I can't, can't echo that enough my favorite is when you go into the nice you go into the nice middle class neighborhood and they have the sign that says that in this house we believe and somewhere in there it always says we believe in science believe in science we believe in science and i always thought that was funny because modern science doesn't require belief right it's supposed to have nothing to do with belief it's supposed to be objective what's oh, the man. Only, what's the only type of science that requires belief what was the only type of science that required the 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 scientist to actually be good and moral and have faith it was alchemy so it's just liberal alchemy. Believe science is liberal alchemy. If you were just good science believers that <laughs> that believed in science, then the science would work better. Okay, the science would spread better. And um, I that to me that's my that's my favorite example. The that's the most dark enlightenment thing you could you could have liberal alchemy. Yeah, I mean it's funny. I mean, man, I don't even know if I want to get in. Um, okay, so I don't know how far down you want to go, but yeah, so. Like several things, like one, this idea of like, it's, it's just <laughs> purely deductive and I, sh- I sh- yeah, just purely deductive. It's like Watson and Crick, like there's no role of imagination in it, right? Or there's no role of muse in discovering construct. It's just like, that's just not true. Like any history of science, when you go through it, basically, like there's, there's definite like inspiration and like muse on that. Um, but even kind of more, even more fundamentally, part of it is this artificial, like, is this not knowing how to read a book and not knowing how to read literature, like pitting that against like ancient mm. Near Eastern, like they're reading, they're writing a book 
that's answering their questions for their constructs and like you're oblivious to the if you read in their literature you'd be like oh frick i see this creation account is forming and filling and high and construct it's like so you're, you're pitting something against something that's not being described basically like so part of it's that and then part of it like yeah this belief like not to get too much i'd argue that you're already in this dark age you're in a medieval dark age right now i'll trade it for a renaissance dark age like at least you have the possibility <laughs> of getting out of it like no sir it's like you're in a oh i read a study the alzheimer's study and just for full disclosure like our startups and work with like academic you know entities like around healthcare and peer-reviewed science and i served on government congressionally mandated entities around uh you know statistics uh, like very gilded examples of this and like in those scenarios you'll have oh we saw this alzheimer's thing and it said the last 30 years of it was was just pointless and we wasted all the you're not hearing a peep out of that right that was always the case just like medieval peasant you you didn't know it right or oh here's a meta critique it says like the placebo effect out of hopkins is coming yeah. uh placebo <laughs> right. effect is like gaining efficacy like uh wait 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 like it just might be that we're all medieval using leeches they, they didn't think they were dumbasses using leeches they thought they were great they so there is one thing telling them to do this so like breaking it open like I agree with you that the possibility of that is like a dark, dark, a dark renaissance for sure. For sure. I'd say like, we're already in a dark middle ages. We just don't know it. The, 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 the testament to the efficacy of that is our, is our lack of ability or awareness or when the headline that pop like that pops up, it doesn't get disseminated to you through the algorithm. Hmm, wonder why. Oh, mm -hmm. is it just business interest? Might be something more if you believe in that supernatural piece or like you see it and it doesn't register with you. You don't go, holy shit is that true the placebo meta like placebo effect is increasing efficacy that might have like <laughs> massive implications for like every type of science or like what is science are we playing paintball or are we actually like at war like there's all sorts of like things that should pop out of your head nope just onto the next headline click 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 I mean, so like, I, yeah i can't agree strongly strongly i think it goes much darker so yeah again i'd say like yeah we're in this like we're in this dark medieval like construct. We're just not aware of it. And now we're looking, oh shit, the thing that's gonna like open up the walls in the Pandora's box, that's gonna be the chaos. I'm not gonna disagree, it'll be the chaos. But like having like a, a cacophony of like difference basically at least gives us an option out of like versus this. I mean, maybe it's, it's probably the Gen X in me. It's like just being subservient without knowledge of it and like uh, and ignoring that. It just, that drives me just batshit more than anything else, honestly. That's the, well, the Gen X or Luther, I just can't handle that. <laughs> Um, Gen X Lutheran is exactly the kind of niche category that we love on this show, but, <laughs> <laughs> but as I always say, as I always like to joke, the real red pill is a placebo. Um, but, uh, man, we've almost, we've almost cleared two hours. Um, oh, we, all right wait uh, yeah I, I, let me do 10 more minutes yeah we can do two hours man well, this is crazy well i was gonna you know normally normally i do i keep the i keep the show to about an hour 15 hour 30 but if okay. we we've covered a lot of ground um it's been awesome uh mr rosenthal uh where can people find you anyone you want to give a shout out to anything you want to give a shout out to including yourself no you justin murphy <laughs> I, I don't know i should come up with something else better i suppose now um you can find me I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm on Twitter. I was going to be on MySpace. MySpace shut down the server, so I guess I'll have to do that Urbit thing, I suppose. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, nothing. No shout outs. Right? No, shout out to you for having this conversation, reaching out. This is like, this is like, this is by far the most interesting. I mean, this is, yeah, this, I really enjoyed this. Thank you, sincerely. Well, absolutely, man. And we can do it again anytime. I'm going to read some Luther and then maybe we can, we can uh, get into that. Heidelberg disputation, man. I'm just, I'm okay. telling you. Like, all right. Just, 
Yeah, especially if you're coming from Eckhart, you'll have a hoot. And it's like something that nobody reads. No other respect. I mean, yeah, it's not, yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.